All right. Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you in back, I said good morning. Oh, there we go. All right. My goodness, what? This is just, mm. I'm, I, got, I may have to change my sermon. Those who are in back, send the most. That's just a, that, that's the way it is. Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, and I know it's end of summer. School just kicked back off. Um, we still got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm really glad. Um, I am so appreciative, too, of last week. Um, just to be able to celebrate our history a little bit, just our young three-year history, but also to hear from you guys and, and, and everything that's going on. So it was such a blessing for me, but uh, it, it's good to be back here and just to continue to dive um, into Acts and, and to keep going uh, through all that. And so I'm excited. Um, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, and I've enjoyed meeting with uh, most of you. There's only a couple of families, a couple of people I still have to meet with and just hearing your heart and and I just believe God is just really just setting the stage for something amazing that, that none of us um, could dream or imagine. So, so I'm really excited. But um, I really like that video. I was watching it a couple of times this week just about our dreams and our dreams for our life and, 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 and what we want. And, and I think it, most normal people want to dream big. They, they, they have something that they want for their life. They, they want to have something that um, kind of leaves a legacy, something that, that, that is bigger than themselves and, and everything. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Um, we have transitioned in Acts. The entire first part of Acts is really about the birth of the church um, in, in Jerusalem and Peter kind of leading that. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we talked about kind of th- there's a transition that happened where Peter has kind of like stepped aside. Um, he's no longer kind of the head of the Jerusalem church. It's actually James, the brother of Jesus, um, one of the most respected men. I mean, you, you want to talk about a guy that lives faith. Read the book of James, and you see those stuff, you know, be doers of the word. Um, those weren't just words to James. In fact, James was so respected in Jerusalem leading the church that when he died, the Pharisees were, <coughs> were so upset <coughs> and so jealous of his success, they wanted him to just kind of like bury him and get, get rid of him, just forget about it. And the entire city came up in an uproar, the Jews and everyone, because he was so respected, a man that lived out, was a doer of the word, that there was a riot because they refused to honor him. I mean, what a testimony uh, in a place that was against the church, that didn't ever want the church to kind of be there in this movement of Christ, that this man lived a life in such a way that even the enemies of the church stood up and said, this isn't right. This was a respectful man. And that's a guy that just lived his life that way. But now we transition to Acts to a guy named Paul um, or Saul. You know, we, we talked weeks ago about his um, transformation, that he met Jesus on that road, and each of us have our own Damascus Road moment, I think, in our lives where we just have to decide, am I going to follow, am I going to go? And for the rest of Acts, it's really the story of Paul and the, also in the church just exploding into the Gentile world. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for Paul because if it wasn't for a person like Paul, we wouldn't be at a church today. It would still be a small Jewish sect somewhere uh, outside Jerusalem and in Israel. But Paul is a man that just went out and did that. And he lived a life, a dream that God had for him, bigger than the dream he had for himself. Paul's dream was to destroy the church. And instead, Paul wrote most of the New Testament and based the standards that we have mostly today for what, how we do church and why church exists. And so, so that, that's what I want to talk about this morning, about really the idea that we're set apart. 
Um, if you know the, you hear in the Bible a lot of times, especially in the New Testament, be holy, be holy. All that word means is set apart. That there should be something different about the way we live our lives. There should be something different about a way a church functions than everything else functions and people and how we live and stuff and, and going out. And I believe that God has each one of us has set us apart for something. And that's really what I want to dive into this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 13. If you don't have one, you forgot this morning, we've got them available. If you want to sign into our Wi-Fi, GBC guest, um, just type in find more and you can follow along. Um, tonight, this morning, sorry, <laughs> this morning, um, we're in air conditioning, so you're going to stand um, because these are the only words that matter. These are the only words that matter, and just out of respect and authority of these words, let, let's read. In Acts 13, Luke writes this. He says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Barnabas Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Will you pray with me? God, we just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather. God, that... Um, Lord, you said we're two or more gathered. Well, there's more than two. And so you are here. You are here waiting for us. We don't have to ask or beg for you to join us, God. We, you are here. You knew exactly who would be here. God, you know exactly what needs to be said. You know exactly what needs to be done. And so, Father, we humbly pray your will be done here as it is in heaven. God, would you just speak this morning? Let these be your words and not mine. God, would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? God, would you change us? May we be different because we were in your presence this morning, God. And may we go out and live it. So, Father, I pray for ears to hear, hearts to respond, God, and the courage to live it out, to make a difference. And may you get all the glory this morning. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I, I love this idea, and I've said this before. Um, I believe with all my heart in the local church. I, I just really, really do. I spent, I spent a number of years working for a parachurch outside the church organizations, and, and I've done those, and, and they're awesome and everything. But I believe in the local church. I believe this is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. It, it is us. It is the church, and that there is no better organization. There's no better vehicle on the planet for spreading the gospel, for making real change and real impact. And I, I believed, honestly, if the church was doing everything that it was supposed to be doing, if we were giving the way we were supposed to be giving, if, if we were serving the way we were supposed to be serving, there would be no need for any governmental organizations to take care of anybody because the church would be doing it. And, and I think that's what we were supposed to be, and I can't wait for the day when it's that way again. When there's only one church, one pastor, and he's leading us all, and it's the way it was always supposed to be. But I, but I believe in the church, and I love in the early church with all the struggles and all the turmoil and all the things coming against them, but they were still working. Now, they struggled, of course. You know, you read Corinthians, Paul had some hard words once and then again for Corinthians. In fact, they actually think there were three letters to the Corinthians, so they were never getting it. 
You know, you, you read in Revelation the seven churches that we did way back at the beginning of the year and stuff, and you hear about, like, there was only, like, one or two of them that said, okay, you're all good. The rest of them, God's like, you're in a lot of trouble. And so they struggled, but, but they were functioning churches. And I think in our culture, we've lost the idea of what a functioning church is. <clears throat> I, I think one of the worst things that happened... It's a good thing, and I'm not, I'm not saying I, I, I don't want to do it anymore, but one of the worst things that happened is we started paying pastors. We became professional clergy. And, and so we believe that, okay, there's somebody professionally trained and all that stuff, and they have to do it, and we just go to church instead of being the church. And, and I see that in our culture, and I see that a lot in the Western culture. And most of that is probably because we haven't had it that hard. I am so thankful to be able to be in a church in the United States of America and the freedom that we share and the, 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 the confidence that I can stand up here every Sunday morning and we can gather. No one's going to bust down our door. No one's going to threaten our lives and stuff. We have the freedom to do that, and we've been given so much freedom, and I think God ordained that freedom. That at one time, the United States was the number one supporting and sending agency on the planet for missions. Everything came from here. Unfortunately, now we're about the fourth most unreached nation on the planet. And, and things have changed. But I, I love that we start with the idea that this church was functioning. Look, look back at verse, uh, chapter 13. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Now in the church in Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod, Tetra, and Saul. I want to stop there. First of all, I want you to notice there were people that had jobs that were doing what they were supposed to do in the church. It doesn't say now there was Paul or Saul and he did everything. Because it doesn't work that way. Everyone had a job. There was structure in it. There were people came along and they had either gifts of teaching or, or gifts of prophecy or, or gifts of like serving and, and all these things. But they were doing their job. Everyone was kind of in it together. Look at verse 2 and it says, As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. The other thing is they were worshiping. It doesn't say anything that they were just standing around singing songs. But they were worshiping. And in that context and in the Greek word used, it really meant that they were serving God. That they were giving what they had. They were, they were, they were using their gifts. They were worshiping God through their entire lives. It wasn't just something for a meeting at some time. It wasn't any worship service. It was a worshiping people. There's a huge difference. And so this church came together and people are doing, they're using their gifts, they're using what God has called them to do. They're worshiping and serving God. And then it says, you know, they're fasting, which again, for them in the New Testament, New Testament church, that meant fasting and praying. They always went together. They were a praying church. They understood that no matter what they wanted to accomplish, no matter what was going on, it had to be God's dream, God's way, and God's provision to have it done. And the only way to know that is to talk to them about it, to pray, to come together and, 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 and not only serve together, but to pray and seek God and seek the Spirit's guiding. And then finally, look at what it says. He says, set apart me, Barnabas and Saul, to the work which I have called. They were worshiping, they were serving, they were together, and they were sending. Think about that. They were ascending church. 
It was people from their own place that they were saying, we're going to send out people. See, like I said, I, I spent years working for um, parachurch organizations. I spent years working for Young Life. Um, we started an organization called First Priority. Those are all awesome, and they're great. But I believe with all my heart that it's not the, that organization's job to be sending missionaries. I think it was always the church was supposed to be the sending agency. You know, and one of the things I love about growing up as a Southern Baptist and being part of Southern Baptist is a church our size sits there and goes, well, like, we don't have the resources, but, man, we can partner with a whole bunch of other churches and send people. We can cooperate with one another, and we, c- we can give our resources, and it may just be a little bit, but that little bit added with everybody else's little bit is going to change the world. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- when the church lost the vision of being sending and being missions, I think the church lost all its power in the Western culture. Because that's, that's the function of a church. We, we worship together. We serve together. We, we, we pray together. And we send together. And that's exactly what's happening here. And it says, you know, to set apart these gentlemen. And, and, and so I, I love this, too. When, when you think about who they're setting apart, set, it says Barnabas and Saul. Verse 3, then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Think about that. Who was probably the most important people in that church? (laughs) Barnabas and Saul. Who was the best of the best, the brightest, the ones that started it all, that probably knew the most and and had it? Barnabas and Saul. I think so often as churches and people, we look at like what our best is and we're like, well, I'm going to hold on to that a little bit and stuff and and we'll, 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 we'll give kind of our leftovers. I love, I love that the church in Antioch said, no, God said, send them these. That's who we're going to ordain. We're going to send our very best out, and we're going we're to freely give them. That's so why it always reminds me, when I was in the desert, um, and during Desert Shield and Desert Storm, we loved getting boxes over there. We'd be sitting in the middle of the desert. Not a lot to do sitting in the desert, like looking at lizards run across, having lizard races, or just you know working on your tan in 130-degree weather. So it was like 10 minutes. Oh, done. Okay. Um, but people would send boxes to us. They were care packages, you know. And it was always like these two any soldier things. And, and I loved it. I remember I got one and stuff. And it was this elementary school that, like, they brought in canned goods. But it was really funny to me because as I opened the box, I looked at them. They're like dented cans and there's stuff. It's like pumpkin pie filling. There's <laughs> 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 like a can of, like, um, Gosh, like, like spinach and vinegar with tomatoes or something. That you know, some kid looked in his cabinet saying, "Oh gosh, if I put that in the box, mom won't make me eat that." <laughs> They're all dented. They're like rusted. You know, people say, and that was the idea. I mean, and I, it was a blessing. It was fun, and it made us feel good. It made us remind us of home. But literally, people just looked in there and says, "What can I get rid of?" <laughs> and I think so often as a church, we look in our crowd and say, well, "Like, who should we send? Who's the troublemaker?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, you go. Let's send you to go send a church. And when we get other people's problems, they, they come and they go and stuff. And I love that the idea was that, man, no, they said, we're going to send our very best. God sent them to us. Thank you. Now we're going to send our very best. And, and that's my heart. I mean, as hard as that is, the worst part of being about a pastor is seeing people, especially in a small church, is seeing people that come for a season and then go. Because it's heartbreaking. Because you notice, like with us, if a family's missing, you know that that family is missing. 
You, you see that they're gone and stuff. But if someone comes up to me that, man, we're so excited and we've invested in They're like, I feel like God's calling me to missions. I'm going to tell you, flesh-wise, it's me going like, I think you should wait a couple of years. But the truth is, as a church, we're, we're called to raise up people and send them out to reproduce ourselves. And, and I love that the church said, it says, then after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them off. We don't really do that anymore, this picture of the church. And all that means is the church is saying, listen, we agree, we support, and we stand with no matter what by the laying on of hands with these two guys. We're going to send them. And, and, and we're going to go. One, one of the most precious moments in my life, one of the greatest memories I have is when I was ordained. And it's funny, I have a lot of like friends from all different like backgrounds, and my Presbyterian friend would always look at me and just go like, oh, you're a Baptist? Yeah, they, or, they ordain everybody. <laughs> That's easy. I'm like, really? Because here's what I had to go through. I met with the pastor, and they said, we see the God calling your life and everything. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to just license you for ministry. And for the next year, deacons randomly showed up at my house. <laughs> and they watched me. And, and they watched my family. They talked to my kids, and they talked to my wife and everything. And after a year of that, the church came and says, we feel confident in, in, in your calling. We feel confident that God has called you, and we want to ordain you as a pastor and everything. And so I went in front of a board, and I had to answer questions. I had to do all this. And, and then I sat there, and it was so precious with these gentlemen, these retired pastors, these deacons, and even my family. They called up my family, came and laid hands on me. I'll never forget that moment. That there was something special where it's like there's this group of people, there's this community that says, yes, we agree, we believe. My Presbyterian friend, I told him that. I was like, you guys, you just got to go get a master's degree. <laughs> That's all you need. Anybody can do that. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it means something when the church sends. It should mean something. And we should be careful when we send. We should evaluate. Just because somebody says, man, I feel called to the ministry. I love that. And I always ask people, like, do you feel called to ministry or to a ministry? Because if you just feel called to minister, then God can use you. If you feel called to a, a ministry, just, I just want to do this, then you're not open to where God's going to lead you, possibly. You know, I feel it's my job. I, I pray for the day where we have young people, young adults, and people just say, I feel called for me, and we're running intern programs, and we're just training them, because I think it's my job to scare them out of ministry, to do my best to scare them out, because I remember being told by my professors, by people that, like, came before me and said, listen, if you can do anything else other than be a pastor, go do it. But if this is the only thing you can do, then, then this is what you do. And so it should be important, and, and I love that they sent their best and, and, and their brightest, and, and, and they laid hands, and, and, and they believed in them. But th there's something else, too. It wasn't random. They were sent from somewhere to somewhere. I, I think so often we, we get in this idea, like, I just want to do something, I think that's where the frustration comes. I feel like God wants me to do something, and we don't really know specifics, and so we just kind of go flutter around all the place. I think God has individually gifted us and, 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 and made us to, to do specific things. I think God is a God of order. And I think so often people get the idea, you know, I knew a young man one time, he said, like, I just want to be a pastor. I'm like, why? He says, man, I just want to stand in front of people. 
I like the idea that I get to stand higher than people. I'm like, whoo, no. <laughs> I mean, it does feel good to kind of stand up here and no, it's no, that's, that's not why you do it. What, what specifically do you think God is leading you to? What's it? And I think we take time to search that. And that's what's happened to Paul and Barnabas. I mean, look at them. They go to Cyprus. They go to Antioch. You know, they, they, they're, they're going to specific places. They're, they're, they're called to go there and, and to do something. In fact, this is what they said in Acts 13, verse 46 and 47. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas boldly said after one of his messages to the synagogues, one of his messages to the Jews, he says, It was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. But since you rejected and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Literally, God said, Paul and Barnabas, I'm appointing you to be pastors and to be missionaries to the Gentiles, to spread the church to the whole world. It wasn't random. It wasn't just like, hey, let's just go start a church. That, that's like a new trend. It's been the last trend for like the last 10 years, like the cool thing to do. I'm going to go start a church. That sounds cool. That was not in my mind when we started this church. I was like, I don't want to start a church. That sounds painful. And it is. It's hard work, and, and it works. But it seems like we want to do trendy things. For a whole time, there was people like, hey, I just want to be in like ministry. We were at a church, and every youth that I would talk to says, I can't wait to go on staff here one day because all the cool people are here. I'm like, wow. You're not going to have any fun at all. <laughs> Because it's not about being trendy, it's about being obedient. And I think God puts specific calls in our life. That, that, that's why it's not random. I, I don't think God saves us, changes us, equips us, and gifts us to just go and like, okay, just go do whatever. Because God has a plan. He's always had a plan. I mean, if you spend any time in Scripture and you just read from cover to cover, there's a plan there. I mean, if you don't think God is into the details, read Leviticus. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's boring. Oh, I love that because God's like, I want the tabernacle to be exactly this, made this exact way and everything. God is into the details. And he's into the details that he's calling us to. And so it's not just some random thing. And so if you feel the pull, that's the beginning of it. God's pulling us. Like, I know God has called me to something, to, to some kind of ministry, to do something. That's the beginning of it. Let's pray. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out your giftings. Let's figure out your passions. Because I think God has a specific place. And can I tell you, there's no better place to be than where God exactly wants you. No better place. You will find more fulfillment. You will find more joy. You will find more purpose. You will find everything. It will get you up in the morning. It will be on your mind when you go to sleep at night. It will drive you when you are right where you're supposed to be. It's never random. God's got a plan and, and a purpose for all this. So that, that's the church. The church, and I think that's the church's role. It's, it's to pull out that. In each year. I think that's my role as a pastor. It's not necessarily just to preach and do all that. In fact, you know, Ephesians talks about it's the pastor's role to equip the saints to do the work. And so that's my job. That's what I should be doing as a church. And as a church, we should be praying and, and looking into people's lives and say, man, I see this in you. Let, let, let's, let's see if we can build upon that and send you out. And so we should be sending. We should be looking for people right now in the midst saying, like, man, when we are ready to go plant a church, who are we going to send? 
You know, I would love for us to be a couple hundred people, but over that, I just, I just think we, we get over a couple hundred people and like we take 50 and say, okay, there's too many of you, go start another church. And let's grow another church, another church, another church, another church. And I think that's the job. But as personal, as individuals, we have an obligation too. I believe with all my heart that we are all sent. If you are a believer in Christ, you are sent. And by the way, if you want to know the purpose and the plan for your life, I think the only way you can know that is to know Christ first. I think that's why there's so many young people today that are struggling and trying to figure out what am I supposed to do, where am I supposed to go, and and they're frustrated and stuff. Because you can't know what you're supposed to do until you know the person that has the plan for you. And so it starts with knowing Christ. It, it starts with, with understanding who he is. But, but we are all sent. And, 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 and in a broader sense, yes, we are. That's the Great Commission. That's the, that's, the, that's the marching orders that Jesus left us with at the end of Matthew. Before he ascended and before he left, he left us with marching orders. Go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Teaching them. Baptizing them. Go. Do this, that we are all sent. We are all sent to our neighbors. We are all sent to the people that live in our communities. We are all sent to our community, to our world. We are sent to spread the gospel. We are sent to make disciples. It's not just about knocking on doors. It's about investing in lives. It's about sharing. It's about seeing people grow into the knowledge and then sending them, helping them go. But we are all sent in a broader sense. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. I don't know how many times I've sat down with people and we've talked about evangelism and and going out and sharing your faith and stuff that I've had people look at me and say, well, that's not really my job. You're the pastor. You're supposed to do that. No, we are all sent. It takes all of us. Every one of us has been put into a position because God says there's someone there that needs to know me. There's someone there that needs to see me and they're going to see him through you. You just have to be obedient. And again, I I know I say this a lot. There is no pressure in telling someone the gospel. It is not up to you if they get saved or not. All you have to do is tell the story. God will do the rest. Leave it all up to him. But we are all sent. That's part of that dream, not, not like the dream that everybody else has. That dream for you, it starts there just saying, God, wherever, whatever, whenever, I'm willing. I'm I'm sent. But in that, it also gets more specific, though. Yes, we're all sent to share the gospel, but God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. That's Ephesians 2.10. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, for we are his creation. We are his, his work, his handcrafted. We are his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. God already has a plan for each and every one of us. There are people that he's putting in your path and putting you in their path because he's got a plan. There's ministry. There are passions in you. There are talents. There are skills in you that God has placed in you that has wired you that way for you to live in them. Man, if I'm struggling with what's the meaning of my life and what I should be doing, I'm going to go to the person that already has the plan for me and say, God, what is it? What am I supposed to be doing? There are a million spiritual gift tests online. 
You can sit there and figure out, and they'll define them all. There's all kinds of personality tests. You can figure out what's my disc and what's my shape and what's all this other stuff. And you can figure out all those things about who you are. You can feel in your heart what I'm passionate about. Am I passionate about music? Am I passionate about people? Am I passionate about cooking? Am I passionate about anything? God places that in us, and then we go and work and serve in there because God set that up ahead of time. And as we're doing it, we share the gospel and we make disciples. As you guys know, I, I work at Universal. Some nights it's fun, some nights it's not fun. There were a lot of laughable moments this week. I have so many more sermon quotes that I just, I, most of them I can't say here. Um, but... <laughs> But I was sitting there, I think it was two weeks ago, I'm just sitting there going, okay, I'm doing this and everything. And I had a gentleman, you know, I was kind of struggling with this, saying, God, why, why, am I, why am I here? You know, what, what, what's the point of, 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 of being here and stuff? I don't want to, I love being a pastor, that's what I want to do full time. And I'm standing at the exit, and this guy comes up, and he's got a drink in his hand, and the liquor law says, you've got to finish your drink before you leave here, you can't take that with you. And so he takes his drink. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got it and everything. And he saw that it said you veteran on, on my name tag. And he's like, oh, what, what was your branch of service? I said, oh, I was in the Army. He's like, oh, I was a Marine. I'm like, that's okay. Not everybody can be in the Army. <laughs> you know? And he just kind of laughed. He's like, oh, you know, wh what do you do? And we started talking and everything. I says, well, this really, I mean, I do this to help out, but I'm a pastor of a small church. He's like, you're a pastor? And you're standing here? And I'm drinking in front of you? I'm like, yeah fun in it <laughs> but we just started talking he's like you know i've got kids now and i want to get back to church but my wife really doesn't want to go and and also we spent 30 minutes about you know about raising family god's way god's got a plan wherever you're at i love talking about jesus i love talking about the church it was the perfect conversation for me Wherever you're at, God's got a plan for you and a purpose, and he's already worked it out. All you got to do is step into it. You want to be set apart. You want to have a dream bigger than yourself? Then, then step into it and see what God does. I have no idea. The guy was from Texas. We talked about, like, my wife doesn't go. I says, well, challenge her. Say, you know what? Find a church. Find a church with a great women's group and great kids stuff and, and all this stuff. Find a church that meets your family's needs and has small groups. And then say, let's go for four weeks. Because one week, you're not going to figure out anything. Two weeks, yeah, but go four weeks. He's like, that's a great idea. I don't know if he's going to do, but, you know, that's not up to me. He left. I'll never see him again. But, man, that made my week. Because I was able to talk about what I'm passionate about in a place that isn't passionate about what I'm passionate about. We just got to be obedient. We just got to keep moving. The kind of wrapping it up too is, listen, when you're working and when you're serving, you're filling God's purpose, it is not always going to be easy. I remember being a young youth pastor, brand new. We were in Hinesville, Georgia, wherever we were stationed in the army. I ended up being the youth pastor at, at a church and stuff. And we were sharing with this family. First time I ever spoke. And I just knew God called me to 
to youth pastor, and, and I was excited, and you know, I knew that one day I was going to leave the army and be in full-time ministry, and I was really excited, and like, I get to preach for my first time, and man, I am God's gift to youth ministry. My gosh, when I open my mouth, souls are going to change. It's going to be amazing, and it's just powerful, and so I got up there, and I, I had my King James Bible, and I want to tell you something. You want to learn how to preach? Preach from a King James Bible and translate it while you're speaking. So that, that's how I learned, to take the thous and the these and those and the ifs all out of it so I could talk to kids. And I spoke, and my heart was there, and at the end it was like, man, how was that, guys? And kid in back says, you stink. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be what was said. You were supposed to accept Jesus, but now you're going to burn. No, I didn't tell him that. I thought it. I said, that kid can't be saved. <laughs> But it gets hard sometimes. I, I tell you, it gets hard here. Last year was a hard year for us here and stuff. I was just like, God, you know, what are you doing here? I know that you're doing something and you're preparing our hearts and you're, you're getting the ground ready. But it's hard. It's hard. Can, can I tell you something? Stick it out. We always get in this idea that, man, the grass is greener on the other side. Can I tell you why the grass is greener on the other side? Because that grass is over a septic tank. <laughs> There's a bunch of junk underneath that ground that's making that grass green that's not any fun to play in. But we, we always get that idea. I, I think we've gotten into a culture of like church hopping too. Just like, well, they don't have everything I want right now, and I didn't like the way they said, and so no one said hello to me, so I'm going to a different church. And, and we just kind of shop for churches. I just want to challenge you. God's called you something. Stick it out. It's not always supposed to be easy. We are going against a culture that has nothing to do or nothing wants to do with God. And so if we're truly laying our faith, we're going to feel tension and we're going to feel friction and everything. Stick it out where you're at because God's going to bless that. Look, look over in Acts 14. Verse 21. Paul and Barnabas, they had been on this journey. They had gone to Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and, and, and all that stuff. But look what it says in verse 21. It says, And after they had preached the gospel in the town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them it is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And when they had pointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord whom they had believed. They invested themselves in those areas until those churches were steady, they were strong, and they could stand on their own. It wasn't just like Paul showed up, you know, the old days. Remember the tent revivals? I missed tent revivals. You know, the evangelists come in, he preached for a little bit, he's there for a week, and then he's gone. Uh, Billy Graham says his one heartache from all his years of ministry and stuff. And God, I, anybody in the modern age that God used more than Billy Graham to speak the gospel to so many people around the world. He said his one heartache, his one frustration was that he would come in for a week, he'd be gone, and he never knew if anybody followed up with those people. He said, best I can guess, 70% of those people never went and showed up at a church that walked forward. See, it's, it's not about a big bang show and everything. It's about investing and, and sticking it through. I love they stayed at Antioch. They stayed until it was firm and founded. And once that happened, once they saw the fruit, they kept going around the church. I, 
You know, I love, I was reading something about, like, Paul's missionary journeys. Do you know, actually, Paul really only had one missionary journey? It was that first one. Because if you notice what he does is he goes and preaches and he goes, but then he stays there and he keeps going around and he keeps coming back to those churches. He only had like one or two really missionary journeys where he went someplace like totally new. He keeps coming back to them to invest and to pour in. He sticks it out with those churches. He sticks it out where the gospel is going. He, he invests and, and develops elders and he develops disciples and leaders and stuff like that. He, he keeps coming back to them. And I think that's what we're called to. They st- we stay until we're done. You know, in the army, we had a, we had a saying um, when, when you were a short timer. And that was like when you had a year left. You know, there was always an old first sergeant somewhere that says, don't stack rifles. Because it came from really from the Vietnam area. Where, like, if you knew, like, hey, I've I've only got, like, 60 days left and stuff, I'm just going to stack my rifle. I'm not going to do anything to do anything. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to do anything. I think so often we just feel like, okay, well, I think I've done everything I can, so I'm just going to stack my rifle. Listen, you stay busy. You stay working until God moves you. And again, from the very beginning of this message, God doesn't call you from some place to no place. God calls you from someplace to somewhere. There, there was a time in our lives here in Claremont, and we've lived here over 10 years now, where I was unsure, and all we heard God say was, like, stay. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't have a job. I don't know what we're supposed to do. There's, you know, there's no church. There's none of this stuff. And he just said, stay. It was a hard time, but I'm so thankful we did. Because if it didn't, we wouldn't be here this morning. We, we, you got to stick it out. You've you got to stay. And once the foundation, God will call you to someplace else. But don't stack rifles. By the way, if you're a senior adult, if you're kind of, if you were older than me, <laughs> honey. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nowhere in the Bible does it says retirement except absent from the body, present with the Lord. Listen, as long as there's breath in your lungs and there's still blood flowing, even if it's going slow. You got a job. Don't stack your rifle. Stick it out. Stick it out. I think God's going to bless this church and just continue to grow this church, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. We've got to stick it out. And finally, listen, all this is about is living beyond ourselves. Leaving a legacy, making an impact, because isn't that what we really want? Isn't that, that what we just want to know? Like, I made a difference. You know, what, what's the old saying about a gravestone? It's not the beginning date. It's not the end date. It's the dash in the middle that makes all the difference. Don't we want that dash to mean something in our lives? Don't we want to look back one day and say, here's the legacy I left? I know we don't talk a lot about legacy in our culture anymore, and we don't talk about passing it down, but I'm so thankful for the legacy that I come from of, of pastors and missionaries, of, of believers that I stand upon their shoulders this morning. I'm here because of all that was passed to me. Don't, don't we want that? But what we have to remember, what we have to never forget, it's not about the job you do. It's not about being up front. It's not about getting recognition. It's not about any of that stuff. It's not about what you do. It's about who you do it for. Think about that. No matter what it is. If it's 
cleaning some floors and cleaning chairs and doing stuff, or if it's teaching a small group class, or, or if, it's, if it's just showing up and greeting people, or if it, whatever it is, it's not about what you do that's important, it's about who you do it for, because in the end, it's all about worship. You want to be set apart, you want to live a life beyond yourself, it's about a life that is worship. And worship is the goal, not mission, not ministry, worship. Through those things, we worship God. I love, I love John Piper says this, he says, mission is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. We go out, we serve, and we minister, and we live the purpose of our life, not because it makes us look good, not because because it's worship, and we do it because worship isn't out there. Because those people need to see that there's something. By the way, we all worship something. I love it when someone comes up to me and says, I'm an atheist. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm an atheist. I'm like, no, you're not. I don't believe in you. <laughs> No, because we all worship something. Worship is an integral part of who you are. Either it's ourself, it's our jobs, it's our culture, whatever it is. We all worship something. Our job as the church and individuals by living out our faith is to show them like here's the only place worship is due and worthwhile. It's not about what you do, it's about who you do it for. As we are all set apart... We all have a call on our lives. My prayer for you is to help you find that and to live it out because there is no better place to be than where God has you. So what has God placed in your heart this morning? Who has God placed in your heart this morning? Go and do it and see what God does with that. Let's pray.